We've been doing on Wednesday nights a teaching on the miracles of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I love taking a look at the miracles of Jesus and seeing all that God has done in Scripture. Because, you know, when I read what God did for those folks in the Scripture and the stories that we find in the Bible, I know that God is able to do that in my life. I know that God is able to do what He did in Scripture his, that, that anointing, that same anointing, that same power, that same miracle working power that flowed through Jesus in Scripture is the same anointing, same power that's flowing for us today. Amen. That same anointing is flowing for us today. Amen. Amen. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited about, uh, like I said earlier, I'm excited about all that God's doing in our church. But, you know, um, have you ever found yourself... Have you ever found yourself saying, you know, I just don't, I'm tired, I don't feel like worshiping, I don't feel like praying in tongues, you know, today I don't feel like praying, and and find yourself praying in the Spirit and it's just dry and crusty and your worship's just dry and crusty? Am I the only one? Is anybody out there? Um, Are you all falling asleep? So, you can relate. You know, one of the things that I find helpful in my life, and I'll I'll just share this, because we all go through those seasons where we find ourselves where it's dry and crusty. We're like, man, what is going on? I feel like I'm I'm praying and I'm just bouncing off the wall. Anybody felt that before? And uh, I have found that it's in those times where I have to... I have to begin to press in. That's the term that we use. You've heard us say it before. You have to press in. You have to press into God. You just keep praying. You, you've be, you, know, you might be praying in the Spirit and, and feel like you're hitting the wall. You just keep at it. Don't stop. Just keep at it. Uh, the, you know, the old timers, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, but, but the, the, there used to be a phrase, praying through. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There used to be, we used to talk about praying through in church and getting a hold. I remember uh, as a young kid being told, you got to grab hold of the horns of the altar and pray through. I'm like, our altar doesn't have horns. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? You know? And, uh, the, but the truth of that is we have got to find ourselves in a place of pressing in. That's, that's what, that is what grabbing hold of the horns of the altar or praying through. We've got to press into God. Even when you don't feel like it, even when, and if, if you just stay at it, I don't feel like it, just worship anyway. Well, I don't feel like praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit anyway. And as you keep at it, you'll find that there'll be a break in the atmosphere, and there'll be a break in that dryness, and God and the glory of God will come rushing in over you in a mighty way. And that, that's what praying through or pressing into God is all about. Don't leave, don't leave the worship, the moment of worship, don't leave praying in the Spirit until you have breakthrough. And uh, we, we are a microwave generation. We want, you know, we want to put it in, and if it's not done in a minute, we don't want it. You know, if, if the drive-through lane is too full, we don't go to the drive-through. We skip it. You know, if the line's too long, we find the next line. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And we're, that's, we're so used to that that we miss our opportunity to press into God and experience Him. You know, someone was saying today, we were just having this conversation, actually. It's funny. We were just having this conversation about pressing in, praying through. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you don't feel like it, you have to pay the price of laying yourself on the altar. 
We don't like paying the price of money. We've got to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Put ourselves out there on that altar and let God consume us. Sometimes your worship is saying, God, I don't feel like worship. This is nothing what I'm preaching tonight. I'm just giving you a free sermon. Um, sometimes you just got to put yourself on that altar and say, God, I don't feel like it. And, and that's all I've got to offer, but I'm going to keep pressing through. And when you do, it's in that moment that the breakthrough happens in your life. So keep pressing in, and uh, hopefully that's an encouragement to someone or somebody uh, tonight. If, you've, if you feel that way in your personal life, keep praying, keep pressing in. Don't be discouraged. Uh, God is right on the other side of that, of that breakthrough. He's waiting for you, and He's just looking for you, to, if you're willing, to pay the price. If you're willing, just to come a little bit closer with Him. And Matthew, I, I want to take a look at this verse. We're going to take a look at the nobleman's faith tonight from John chapter 4. But before we do, I want to take a look at this verse in Matthew chapter 17. In verse 20, in Matthew 17, we find the story of the demon-possessed son that kept falling into the fire, kept shaking, and the, the dad brings the son to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't do anything about it, so they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you got to do something about this boy. Jesus, you got to do something about my son. And after Jesus sets the son free, the disciples said, well, why, Jesus, why, why couldn't we do this? Why can't we do this? And this was Jesus' response in Matthew 17, verse 20. It says, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I want to take a look at this scripture in the context of, of Jesus' miracles just real quick. But, but Jesus said, if, if you'll have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, I want to break down this scripture for a moment because a lot of times we begin to, we, we have this thought, we begin to think of this verse in the context of faith equals belief. But, but faith is not belief. Faith is the spiritual perception of unseen things. It's our, it's our ability to, to see and to perceive it's our five senses. It's our spiritual five senses. It's our ability to perceive the unseen world around us. The Bible says even the demons believe. So the belief, faith, is not necessarily belief. We also see in the scripture that faith must be received. It says, because of your unbelief, for surely I say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, it's something that you don't uh, have on your own. It's something that has to be given to you if you have faith. In other words, Jesus has to impart into us supernatural faith. Faith comes from God. In Romans 10, verses 16 and 17, Paul says in Romans, he says, For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, who are you listening to tonight? Who are you filling yourself with? If you're constantly listening to people who are speaking negativity, or if you're constantly speaking negative things of your life, or if you're constantly listening to the, to the music and the news and the things of the world around us, guess what you're filling yourself with? You're filling yourself with everything that contradicts faith. It, it begins to muddy. It's, it's almost as if, and I use this example uh, frequently, but it's like you go out during the week and dip yourself in the pig trough and you come in on Sundays expecting to uh, receive from God the minute you walk in the door. 
Well, if you're not constantly, daily taking a bath after you go dip in the pig trough, you're going to be pretty muddy by the time you get in here on Sunday. And so sometimes, you know, and it feels like that sometimes in service, that we've got to bring everybody in and shower them off before they can get anything or, or receive anything. And so the, the, the better option here is that we all take a bath daily, right? Hopefully you take a shower or bath or bathe yourself in some way, shape, form, or fashion on a daily basis, and especially before you come into church on Sunday because you sit pretty close to some people. And uh, we can all tell when you haven't taken a bath. Well, the same is true spiritually. If you're not showering in the rivers and the refreshing waters of heaven on a daily basis, you begin to stink. And so the, the reality for us in this is that faith... Faith comes by hearing. If we're going to receive this supernatural perception and we're going to be able to see into the unseen world and, and see and know and hear and, and perceive what God's doing and what He's saying, we've got to begin to take daily showers. We've got to have, a, have clear communication with the Father where we're, we're being able to not be muddied down by the pig trough of life. Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? How are you listening? Are you... Are you spending daily time listening to the Word? Are you saturating yourself in the Word of God daily? Are you listening and entering into worship daily? Or is it just something that happens on Sundays or Wednesdays when you're here? And then, of course, we see in this scripture in Romans 10 that our ability to hear comes by the Word of God. God gives us the ability to hear or to see. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Who have eyes and see not, and have ears and hear not. You know, this is, this is what we uh, use the phrase. We, you know, we all have our little catchphrases. And the, the term that I use here is you, you have a head knowledge but no experience. You have, you have the ability to see. It's like I have the ability to see who's in this room right now. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I have a close personal relationship with everybody in this room. I can see that you're here, but I don't know everybody's names and I don't know everybody's personal stories because... And, and I don't have the experience. In other words, I'm not having that personal experience with you. And so the same is true spiritually, that we can have a head knowledge or an understanding that God is good, that God's real, that He loves us, that He wants to wrap His arms around us and love on us as His children. We can have a good head knowledge of it all, but no experience. And so we have to have God give us supernatural revelation of who He is and His goodness, His love in our lives. So I want to encourage you tonight to have that personal experience. You know, I can, I can have a head knowledge all day long that honey's sweet. But when you go and you taste that honey, you know that honey's sweet. Not just by, by knowledge, but by experience. It's good that we have knowledge and we need knowledge. But without the experience, without the Spirit and the Word, we always talk about the Spirit and the Word kissing. You have to have the Word and you have to have the Spirit. You can't be so far on the Word that you become legalistic and dry. And you can't become so spiritual that you're a spiritual fruitcake. I've seen both. We've got to find our place in the middle where, we're, where spirit and truth kiss, where the Word of God and the Spirit of God meet in our lives, that uh, we're not hard and crusty Christians, but we're not uh, loosey-goosey Christians with every wind of doctrine that's out there. Amen. Amen. Then we see here that the faith of God... The faith of God brings the victory. Jesus said that if you just have this small, minuscule faith, the size of a mustard seed, 
If you'll allow me to put within you this small seed of faith, faith of God in you, you'll say to this mountain, move, and it'll go. Why? Because the reality of who God is and what he says about your life is real to your inner man. It's no longer just a concept. God, God wants me to be healed. It's no longer just a head knowledge or a concept, but you all of a sudden realize God doesn't want me to live broke, busted, and disgusted. God doesn't want me to live in a life that's full of tragedy and every, every man, I get so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a little, I'll get on a little uh, bunny trail here for just a moment. It, it drives me crazy when, I, when Christians, every time you talk to them, every, every molehill is a mountain and every, every circumstance of life has got to be this major ordeal. That's not, that's not the life that God's called us to live. That's if, if everything, every situation you face in this life all of a sudden goes from something that you can step on and squash to this major mountain and ordeal, you're missing out on the, on the supernatural life that God's promised you. You're not, you're not walking in faith. You're walking in perception of the natural man. You're walking as a natural man, not as a spiritual man. When you begin to put on the eyes of Christ and you begin to hear what God's saying about you and you begin to see what God's saying and the reality of this word, who can separate me from the love of God? Who, when, man, just go, go memorize Romans 8. You just go through and you begin to quote Romans. If you find yourself, maybe you're one of those people here tonight, and you find yourself constantly overcome by the molehills of life, go read Romans 8 every morning you wake up. I promise it will help you. Who can separate you? He's chosen you. And all these things were more than conquerors. Go fill yourself with the truth of God's word. And when you begin to see what God says and you're hearing what God says about your life, all of a sudden your perspective begins to change. I was meeting with someone a couple of weeks ago and, and they're going through a difficult situation and in, in, in all reality is a difficult situation. And when we first started talking about their situation, everything that I kept telling them, I just kept saying, press into Jesus, press into Jesus. And you'll find that my counsel is not very complex. It's usually pretty simple. And uh, that, that was my counsel, press into Jesus. Pray in the Spirit, press into Jesus. If you can do that, you'll make it through this, I promise. Press in, worship. And you know, it's funny because every time we met, it was over a series of meetings, it was, uh, really, that's all you got kind of response? <laughs> you know, that's really all that. And I said, just trust me. And so I've watched this person continue to do that. And their countenance over the past couple of weeks has changed. As they've been, and their response to the situation has changed. All of a sudden, no longer it's, wow, this horrible situation. It's, I'm learning to trust in Jesus in this. I'm learning to make it through this. I'm, I'm learning to see God in the middle of this. This is all basic Christianity. But this is, this is what we need to be reminded of so often. That we need to live a life of faith. We've got to live a life of the supernatural perception of God. Not, not uh, muddied down by the things of this life. In John chapter 4, we find the story of the nobleman's son. And I don't have time to preach this whole message tonight because we've, we've had extended time of worship and such. But, but I do want to give you a couple of points from this. In John chapter 4, verse 46, and 
Uh, I, you know, again, I love teaching the miracles of Jesus. I'll give you a moment to go there. I want to encourage you, make sure you get the podcast, you study these, take the notes home and, and study them in your own personal time. John chapter 4, verse 46 says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he had got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. There's three levels here of this man, the nobleman's faith. I want to take a look at these places of faith that this, this nobleman went on in his journey. The first thing that we see, the first place or the first level of faith of this nobleman was the spark of faith. He had heard of Jesus' miracles and the water being turned into wine. Somehow he heard about this supernatural ministry of Jesus and it ignited a spark in his life. Maybe you can remember the day where Jesus, the reality of Jesus, sparked in your life. Someone said something. Maybe you were in church or maybe, maybe a, a friend or family member said in that spark that flame began to spark in your life we need to have those experiences every day of our life not just when we're born again but God made the reality of this word spark a new fire in my life every day God let let faith arise let the spark of faith arise in my life every day let it burn bright Edwards in his uh, sermon a divine and supernatural light says this the least glimpse of the glory of God in the face of Christ doth more exalt and ennoble the soul than all the knowledge of those that have the greatest speculative understanding in divinity without grace. This knowledge has the most noble object that can be, the divine glory and the excellency of God in Christ. This light is such as effectually influences the inclination and changes the nature of the soul. It assimilates our nature to the divine nature and changes the soul into an image of the glory that is beheld. In other words, what uh, Edwards is saying here is he's taking 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, what you behold is what you become. The glory that you see in Christ, the glory that you behold, is the transforming work on the inside of you. Edward said this divine and supernatural light transforms us, changes us from one glory to the next. As you and I, like this nobleman, begin to live in a place of faith, I've heard about this man named Jesus. I've heard about his miracles. I've heard from the word. I've, I, I, I've seen the promises of God from his word. And I'm going to allow this spark of faith to ignite in my soul. I'm going to allow this spark of faith to begin to take, to take root in my life. And then as we begin to behold, as we begin to behold the glory of God, as we begin to look upon him and, and allow, allow our spiritual eyes to begin to focus Y'all hear what I'm saying tonight. We allow our spiritual eyes to begin to focus in 
on Jesus, all of a sudden the, the cares of this life, the things of this life, the perception of this life, the, the, the depression, the discouragement, the fear, all of those things begin to waste away. They begin to fade away. And we begin to see as Jesus sees. We begin to hear and, and perceive the spiritual realities around us. The second level of faith here that we see in this man is the, the fire of faith. It increases from a spark to a fire. It begins to smolder. It begins to burn. This, this level of faith took this man from a place of, of asking Jesus, hey, will you come heal my son? And Jesus looked at I find this interesting. Jesus looked at him and rebuked him. And said, unless, you have a, unless this generation has a sign, you won't believe. But the man kept asking, do you have enough faith to believe God that even if he rebukes you and corrects you, that you'll still press in? A lot of times when God challenges us and corrects us, we're running out the door. We don't like it. We don't like the challenge. We don't like the conviction. We don't like to be uncomfortable. But those that stand, those that stand the correction and the testing are those whose faith has matured from just that little spark to a smoldering fire. You, if you allow God to begin to mature the fire of faith in your life, it will sustain you through the moments of correction and challenge that God brings along the way. Some practical ways to help you through this process. How do you increase your spiritual perception through this process? One, fill yourself with God's Word. Constantly saturate yourself in the Word of God, whether it's in church services, small groups, putting it in your ear in the podcast, going to Bible, whatever. Saturate yourself in the Word of God. Secondly, live a life of worship, not just on Sundays, every day of your life. If that means you need to clear out your iTunes or whatever you use, your CD player, your DVD, whatever you're, however you're playing your music, is it God-honoring, Christ-centering, and is it building faith, or is it tearing you down? Make sure that your life is alive, and that's not just with the music, it's how you live, it's your money, it's your resources, it's your time, your talents, everything. Make sure your life is a life of worship. Thirdly, practice submission, uh-oh. How'd that get in there? Practice, practice submission to your spiritual authority as it develops spiritual discipline and matures your faith. Who's your spiritual authority? Well, you know, pastors are always the easy one, but family, God places family leadership in your life. He places civic authority in your life. There's all sorts of levels of authority. As you begin to obey those leaders that God's placed in your life, even when you don't like it, it causes your faith to increase, your flesh to die, your faith increases, and it matures the fire of faith in your life. So instead of running from, from the discipline of spiritual authority, submit to it. When you feel like God's speaking a word to your life or giving you direction for your life, seek out spiritual counsel. Does that mean that your pastors are always going to have every uh, right answer? We're always going to say the right thing. We're always going to be perfect and I sure hope so, but chances are, <laughs> chances are it's not going to happen. There's going to be a time, if I've not already offended you, there's coming a day where I will, I promise. And it's not intentional, it's just we're all imperfect. But let me tell you, when you submit to your spiritual authority in spite of their flaws, yeah. say, God, I honor them not because who they are, but because your authority on their life. God begins to discipline and shape you and mold you and transform your life. And that fire begins to mature. Fourthly, love others on purpose. 
Find a need and meet it. One word, accountability. <laughs> if I had to give you one word here, loving others on purpose, it means accountability. And why does that mean that? Because how many of you know the minute that you start pouring out and serving and loving on others, it's the minute that they look back at you and say, I'm watching your example. You've, you've loved on me and you've ministered to me, so I see Christ in you, so now I'm following your example. And that now places accountability on your life to go deeper and to allow God to mature the flame of faith in your life. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't found a place to serve and to minister, there's a lot of opportunities around here. And as you find that place, God begins to mature your faith. All of a sudden, you're loving on the, un the unlovely. All of a sudden, you're finding those people who, who maybe dealt with some of the same issues that you've dealt with. And you can begin to walk them through. This is how Jesus worked that out in my life. You don't have to be an expert Bible college student. You don't have to, be, you don't have, to have all the answers. You just find someone and love on them. You just find someone and say, I'm going to intentionally love you on purpose. I am loving you with a purpose to see God glorified in your life. You know, there's more to the story and there's more to your notes, which we're not going to have time to get. We got all night. <laughs> we won't get into all of that. But um, I want to encourage you to allow God to begin to build your faith. Allow God to strengthen and mature your faith, to mature your perception of Him and what He's doing. You know, we have, we have great days ahead of us, and there's great days right here in front. I mean, we're, there's a lot of great things happening, but don't allow, don't allow the enemy to distract you and get you off the path. Don't allow the negativity and the things of the world around us. When you begin to see those things, the Bible, Jesus said, look up, your redemption draws now. You begin to set your eyes on him. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, mature my faith. Let me see, let me hear, let me taste the realities of the unseen world around me. Why don't you stand with me tonight, Grace? Y'all can come on back. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're building our faith, Lord, that you're, you're, you're maturing our ability to perceive this unseen world around us, that we don't have to be caught up in the, in the humdrum of life, that we don't have to get stuck in depression or discouragement, Lord, that we don't have to get stuck in the negativity of life, the, the issues of life. Oh God, you have called us to live above all those things. You've called us to live a higher life. You've called us to live this life of faith. Lord, I pray that tonight that you'll take this word, Lord, that's been spoken, that you'll bring a harvest in our lives, Lord, that you'll, you'll show us, Lord, even right now, begin to show each one of us the areas of our life, Lord, where we need to live in faith. Lord, not live in, in discouragement, not live in fear, not live in uh, drug down in the mud of life, but Lord, to see the unseen world around us. Lord, to hear what you're saying, to begin to speak your promises over our life, to begin to meditate on your word, to begin to worship and saturate ourselves with the word. You know, if you don't have, if you don't have a personal time where you're reading the word and studying, you're starving yourself. You're starving yourself spiritually. If you don't have, if you're not filling yourself with worship, it's like not drinking water. You know, you have to drink water. You have to have a drink. That's why we always say, have a drink. Drink of the Spirit. Worship. Praying in the Spirit. All of those things are essential. 
They're essential. It's not, it's not something we check off on our list. It is essential to our Christianity. It is our, it is, it is our life. Praying in the Spirit. You know, we. It's funny. Our, it, our whole ministry. We've we always get ridiculed about praying in the Spirit. People always ridicule us about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Well, that's. I don't understand that, or that's gone, that's the, whatever. But I can tell you this, that it will transform your life. You may think, you may think, you may think that it's weird, you may not understand it, whatever. But if you just, and I'm not asking you to, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. And when you begin to yield to Him, and say, Holy Spirit, just begin to pray through me. I yield. He's perfect. He's He is He is God. He is part of the Trinity. He's part of the God. He's perfect. And that, that perfect language of heaven will begin to flow out of you. It may be simple and it may increase, it may develop, it will. But you just begin to allow the Holy I'm, I, you know, you don't have to be an Sometimes I think in, as Christians, we've got to, especially Pentecostal Christians, we've got to be like the A-plus uh, tongue talker. Like we all, we've got to have, you know, it's got to be like the we got to pray the best tongues out of everybody in the room. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is perfect. And what you need to pray and what He wants you to pray, He'll pray through you. And what you need to be praying, He'll pray through you. I promise. It may start off very simple. An increase. But you just yield. You may think I'm crazy. That's okay. I probably am. But you just let it increase. Let the Holy Spirit just increase in your life. Worship. All these things are essential to your spiritual health. We worship you. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, with our mouths, Lord, we sing, we sing out praise. Lord, we pray in the Spirit and we pray with our understanding. Lord, we sing in the Spirit and we sing with our understanding. Lord, we worship. We worship with our understanding, Lord, and we say you're holy, you're worthy. I love you, Jesus, and we pray in the Spirit and yield. We yield to you, Lord. Quebra masorondo briata, mando no remeye se broto. Beba mando rosso briande, quebra mande prosoma. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh God, I love you, Lord. I need to, I need to be more sensitive the unseen world around me. I need to be more aware. Help me, Lord, to be more aware. Help me, Jesus, to be more aware. I Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. we wrap up tonight I just hear I hear the Lord saying that 
There are those that are here tonight and you have, you've, you have been discouraged. You felt discouraged. Maybe it's a spiritual thing where you, you know, something spiritually that you've been discouraged about. Maybe, maybe something in the natural. This nobleman's son was at home dying and he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, you've got to heal my boy. And instead of responding, instead of responding how he wanted, Jesus corrected him. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus doesn't respond in the way that we think he should and sometimes we get discouraged about it. But instead of discouragement, God wants you to be a place of faith. To hear what his promise is to hear what His report, His Word is over your life. But this man asked again, Jesus, sometimes Jesus is just asking or correcting or challenging to see if we'll yield and come a little closer. Will you yield and come a little closer? God, I don't understand why this situation is happening, but I trust you. I'm going to come a little closer. I'm going to press in. God, I don't understand why this or that's not happening. But I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to come a little closer. And I hear the Lord saying that there, there, there's, there's someone that in the back of your mind, there's a, there's a trust issue. Jesus, you have a trust issue with Jesus. And your question is, but if I come a little closer, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know that you're just not going to correct me again? And all reality, the answer to that is you really don't. In your natural man, you don't. But with your spiritual senses, with your spiritual perceptivity, you begin to see the unseen world around you. You begin to see and realize that if an earthly father will give good gifts to his children and not turn them away, then how much more so will your heavenly father not just give to you what you ask, but give lavishly and abundantly And I hear the Lord saying, will you put your trust in me? Will you trust me? Jeremiah 17 says that I put my trust in the Lord and I'll be like a tree planted by the water whose leaves do not wither and whose fruit does not fail to produce in its season. Planted by the streams of water. I'm putting my trust in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.